Hello there, Hot Rod Bible Study, where tonight we will be in Matthew chapter 3. As I posted on Faceplant, the uh, baptism of Jesus, and that can be taken in a couple of ways, and we'll, uh, we'll look at that further as the study goes on. But what I'd like to start off with is that last week's opening was absolutely great if you knew how to read lips, because... Uh, the uh, gray-haired knucklehead pulled the old I-forgot-to-turn-on-the-microphone trick, and it cut it all out. Now, this last week's opening wasn't great because it was, for me, it was something that I was sharing from a um, devotional that I read the day before. And the day before, with last week's study being on the 8th, the day before was Pearl Harbor Day. Now, Pearl Harbor Day has a special meaning in my house, my family. Um, although my father was not a uh, Pearl Harbor survivor, he did serve in the United States Navy in the uh, Pacific Theater of Operations during World War II. So he was certain to impress upon his children the importance of remembering Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, now, in the devotion that I read, there was a quote attributed to uh, Admiral Yamamoto where it said that, I'm afraid all that we have done is awakened a sleeping giant and given him a great resolve. Uh, there is some argument to whether or not that is truly a Yamamoto quote or just a great line out of the movie Tora, Tora, Tora. Uh, one way or the other, though, it was accurate. Uh, the United States did not uh, participate in World War II until that time after Pearl Harbor Day, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, excuse me, that day that lives in infamy, as President Roosevelt said. Now, what does that have to do with us in 2022, especially Christians? Well, the same thing happens with us Christians. Uh, when Jesus gave the Great Commission to go out and uh, preach the gospel to all nations, uh, it didn't move very quickly until after uh, Stephen was stoned to death, the first recorded Christian martyr. Uh, think about that. And the persecution of the church. Then the church, under persecution and under martyrdom, grew exponentially. Uh, that's something for us to think about. Today, although we are not having Christians martyred in this country yet, there are all over the world in, in, uh, Africa and the Middle East and, uh, in the Philippines, all these different places, uh, Christians are being martyred greatly. So what does that mean for us? We need to have that great resolve to go out and share the gospel to all nations, and to stand firm, not just to roll over, but to stand firm. If, you're, if your faith is called into question, you need to stand firm. Always be prepared to be able to share, and of course I'm paraphrasing this, the um, um, trust that you have in your faith. Okay, always be able to be prepared to do that. So that was last week's. Uh, I hope you got as much out of that thought as I did. Again, uh, 
This evening we are in Matthew chapter 3, and if you'll join me in prayer, that'd be wonderful. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this word that you have given us. We pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. Lord, I thank you for each and every one who is in attendance online tonight or or throughout the week. I just pray that you give them a blessing uh, that uh, that they may just really need at this time. And again, Lord, keep me out of the way as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 starts off with, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sin. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? But... Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son. Pardon me, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, now here we go. John the Baptizer. John the Baptist. No, he wasn't Southern Baptist. He was the baptizer, I guess you could say, someone who does baptize someone. But with that, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, John the Baptist was the son 
of Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were relatives of Mary. Now, his birth was somewhat miraculous as well, not to the extent of Jesus with Mary being a virgin, but in the same manner as um, Abram and Sarah with the um, birth of Isaac. Now, because, because Zachariah and Elizabeth were in advanced age, unlike Abraham and Sarai, who ended up becoming Abram and Sarai, who ended up becoming Abraham and Sarah, uh, they didn't try to help God out by uh, having um, Zechariah hang out with a slave gal. But anyway, this is the deal. Now, it's also said that when Mary uh, visited uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, that the child in Elizabeth's womb jumped for joy, recognizing the presence of the Messiah in the womb of Mary. Isn't that great? Wow. And who says that it's just a piece of flesh? Okay, here we go. Verse 2, And saying, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent. Okay, Webster's Dictionary defines repent as to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. In other words, to repent doesn't just say, Lord, forgive me. It means to say, Lord, forgive me. And I will do and help me to do my best to turn from my wicked ways. We all have it. We are, we are all sinners. If the apostle Paul can call himself the chief of sinners, then it negates us saying, Oh no, we're not sinners. Baloney. We all are. And, and Satan knows which sins we like the most. So we need to repent, which is to turn from our wicked ways, okay? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, saying that God's rule is near in Christ. Got it. Now, verse 3. Now, wait a minute. Let me back up on that. God's rule is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, you can say, ah, oh, Willie, this is written over 2,000 years ago. How can, well, about 2,000 years ago, how can you say that it's near? Well, I had a real interesting conversation with a neighbor of mine who is an astrophysicist. Pretty big deal. Now, he explained in a manner in which this pea brain got it with the idea of time being relative to God in a different manner than it is relative to us. Okay, as God is one who who uh, came up with, who, who uh, um, created time, he is working outside the realms of time by our human understanding. Uh, my friend uh, explained it to me in a manner, again, this pea brain got it, but such as my brother explaining calculus to me, and I get it as soon as I walk out the door, it's all gone. But just be, just know, just know that just because it says it's near and it's been a couple thousand years, it's near. Always has, always will be. Okay. Verse three. For this is he, John, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of the one in the wilderness, pardon me, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Okay, that's a 
a quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Now, uh, in those days, uh, roads were smooth, leveled, and straightened before the arrival of a king. Uh, and the idea is taken from, here it is, uh, Clark puts it this way, the idea is taken from the practice of Eastern monarchs who, whenever they entered upon an expedition or took a journey through a desert country, they sent harbor, harbingers before them to prepare all the things for their passage and pioneers to open up the passes, to level the ways and to remove all impediments. Okay, this is what they're referring to here. Um, John 1, we'll move over to there, turn to there. John chapter 1, 19 through 23 says, Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and the Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, what are you? Who, pardon me, who are you? And that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Something written well over 400 years previous. Wow, pretty big deal, huh? Okay, now we're going on. Verse 4 says, Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt, that he, um, that with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. You know, he led a fairly austere life, one would say. And like Elijah the prophet, uh, he was calling Israel to repentance. Let's look at Luke chapter one. Verse 17, where it says, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Again, preparing the way of the Lord. Talking about our buddy John the Baptist. Okay, verse 5. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him. Multitudes, multitudes, not just a few people, but all the people in the, in the region of Judea, Jerusalem, and the region around it. That's a lot of folks. Now, in verse 6 it says, And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sin, recognizing their need for God. Guzik puts it this way, uh, baptism was practiced in the Jewish community already in the form of ceremonial immersions. And, you know, they used to also ceremonially wash their hands. Remember, uh, if, you, if, if you've been with us for any of these studies, where the Pharisees ask 
Jesus, you know, why are your disciples unclean? Because they aren't doing the ceremonial washings before eating. Uh, that's a whole nother study we'll get to later on. Okay, but anyway, uh, but typically it was only among the Gentiles who wished to become Jews. They were supposed to be washed to become Jews. Now, for a Jew in John's day to submit to baptism was essentially to say, I confess that I am as far away from God as a Gentile. Now, remember, they, they're pretty much thinking that they got it going because they're the chosen people, right? It was to say that I am as far away as a Gentile and that I need to get right with him. Now, this was a real work of the Holy Spirit. How about that? Neato. Okay. Now, we're going on. Verse 7 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Okay, Pharisees and Sadducees, they are the two major ruling uh, in the religious rulers uh two major classes of religious rulers at the time. Uh, the Pharisees believed in being saved by the law and also by their traditions. They also believed in the resurrection, whereas the Sadducees believed in being saved by the law, did not believe in angels or spirits or the resurrection. That's a, kind of the difference between the two. Now, uh, they saw his baptism, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, saw his baptism as really just another ritual, making them look good. Okay, here they are showing up, just like they always show up. Nice clothes, they got all the fancy stuff, the tassels, all the stuff that you read about in the Old Testament. They're looking really good, and they figure, you know what? This looks like something that we ought to do to make ourselves look good. And so what does he say? He calls them a brood of vipers. Offspring of snakes is what he's calling them. You know, baby snakes. What are you doing here? Says, who, who, uh, who warned you to flee the wrath that's about to come? God's wrath. God's wrath. Uh, which they, these Pharisees and Sadducees thought they were above. Cause they keep the rules. They keep the traditions and all this kind of stuff. And man, they got it going. So they're above this wrath. Baloney. If you could get to heaven, if you could be saved, if you could be redeemed by your works, then we're wasting our time here talking about Jesus because he never would have had to come to this earth. Okay. Verse eight. Therefore, bear fruits. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk worthy of repentance. And do not say to, your, say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. They felt that they were, again, being the chosen uh, Jews, that they were saved through their heritage, which started with Abraham. Uh, one thing I like to say, which, of course, pardon me, is a quote I stole from somebody, is that God has no grandchildren. Hmm. It doesn't matter if your folks purchased a pew in the church downtown Yukaipa back in the 50s. 
you're, you're not saved by their actions, nor were they, but you're not saved because they were these leaders in the church. You know, I'm not saved because my great-grandfather was a Lutheran pastor. Oh, boy, doesn't that make me really neat? My kids are not saved because of my faith or Pam's faith. They're not, they're, it's, you're no grandchildren. You are saved by faith alone. Your faith. Nobody else's. Okay. It goes on to say, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. John was not impressed with their heritage. He can do this out of dirt if you want to. God can do it if he wants to. Okay, verse 10 goes on to say, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit, remember, we're talking about walking a walk, not just talking the talk, is cut down and thrown into the fire. Spurgeon puts it this way, no mere pruning and trimming work did John come to do. He was a handler of a sharp axe that was to fell every worthless tree. That's, that's no messing around. Okay, now goes on to say, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Uh, which is one of the lowliest tasks of a slave. Interestingly enough, uh, John 12, this really reminded me when I was doing my preparation here. John 12, verses 3 through 14, tells us, how did I do that? Is it 3 through 14 or is it, uh, where did I go? Ah, no, 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 13. Where in a living daylights am I? Well, it should be. Oh, anyway, it's John chapter 13. Pardon me. I wrote it down here. Got it right here. John chapter 13. Uh, again, uh, 3 through 14, where it goes on to say, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Again, lowliest thing of a slave. Now, what are we talking about? John saying that he's not worthy to do this, and yet the one who is least... is who is the greatest... Is the lowest. Because here he is, goes on to say, began to wash the feet, his disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And then Peter said, then Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him then, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Uh, Jesus probably said, uh, 
He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him before, and therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet with his garments, sat down again, said to him, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another's feet. It's to be a servant. This is what Jesus was, servant leader. This is what John is talking about, not being worthy enough to do this same job. Pretty powerful stuff. Pretty powerful stuff. Goes on. He will baptize you, speaking of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, there's a couple of things that we're going to look about at that. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Some of you will be familiar with this. Acts chapter 2, uh, 1 through 4 goes on to say, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, which is 50 days after the Passover. The Pentecost is one of the feasts, Jewish feasts. It's not just the day when the Holy Spirit came down. It is, was a Jew and is a Jewish feast 50 days after the Passover. Okay. They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven a rushing of mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit as Jesus promised them. Now, again, what did John say? He'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 12 says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here's another scripture I want to direct your attention to. Book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi verse chapter 3, pardon me. Verses 2 and 3, where it says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. He will sift as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. He will purge them as gold and silver, and that they may offer to the Lord an offering of Righteousness. We are refined once we have given our lives to Christ. We are refined just as that. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, just as John speaks. Now, verse 13 goes on to say, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John Galilee, pardon me, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And you can imagine John's reply. Here it is. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you're coming to me? Uh, it's kind of back to the foot washing thing that I just talked about. Being a humble servant. Okay. Uh, 
And remember, the foot washing that happened, Jesus did that on the night when he was betrayed, when he was betrayed by Judas. Okay, verse 13, Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fill all righteousness. He was identifying with sinful man. Remember, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Then he allowed him. Then Jesus allowed John to baptize him. What was Jesus doing? He was standing in place of sinful man, just as he was when he took our place on the cross. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Guzik puts it this way. I think it's nice. It says, like a dove, the work of the Holy Spirit can be swift. Like a dove, the work of the Holy Spirit can be soft and gentle. Like a dove, the work of the Holy Spirit brings peace. Like a dove, the work of the Holy Spirit is harmless. Like a dove, the work of the Holy Spirit speaks love. Verse 17 finishes this up. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, leaving no doubt as to who Jesus is. So I think it's a real wonderful story. Now, I talked about how baptism of Jesus can be taken in two ways. First of all, we see the physical baptism of Jesus, which John did. Now we also speak of the baptism that Jesus does for us. Again, baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus Christ and him only. Okay, uh, this this afternoon I got a, a message from one of our uh, Hot Rod Bible study followers, Daniel Coates, and here's something. That he recommended to me a song, which I'd like to recommend to you that you can find on YouTube. It's uh, called Go Tell John, and it's performed by the Petersons. If you check that out on, on uh, YouTube, I think you'll be blessed, at least will be if you like the kind of music I like, and obviously Daniel likes too. Thank you, Daniel, for that. Uh, another message that I received today was from a good hot rodder friend of mine that I've known since I was one of those little kids by the name of Robbie Rash. His, his wife, Sandy, uh, was admitted into the hospital today uh, with an aneurysm in her stomach. Uh, I haven't heard yet of any of the results, but I'd like to lift her up in prayer. So please join me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Lift up to you, Sandy Rash. We pray that everything went well today in the hospital, that you uh, are with Sandy in her stay there, that you also guide all the physicians and all the people that are in attendance to her. Also pray, Lord, uh, that you uh, bring the comfort to Robbie and the entire Rash family uh, that only you can bring, and that... Uh, the knowledge that uh, you are the ultimate physician. So again, Lord, we pray your healing touch on Sandy this evening. So with that, I'd like to pray. And again, this is not something that's been made up. This is 
not something that's just in the hymnal. This is something that is in Scripture. It's called the Arianic uh, from Aaron uh, blessing, which is the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.